I'm on a mission. A mission to speak with the most inspiring people from all over the world. I want to know their stories. I want to know what stories they used to tell. And are those the same stories that they're telling today? Or did they redefine that story to overcome limiting beliefs and achieve their dreams? I want to help them share their stories. Why? Because I know the power of the story. I know that it can make or break you. It can give you the world or it can tear it apart. There's always two sides going down in your head and you get to choose. Will I listen to the one that's trying to stop me or the one that keeps pushing? These are their stories and this is the stories we tell. What's up, y'all? It's your host, Jamie Messina. I have a really good episode for you today, and honestly, it was unplanned. Um, Zara Berry was coming on to share her coming out story, and really, we started riffing, and we started talking about lesbian drama coming off of a a Pride weekend for for both of us. Well, this month, lots of Prides happening, and uh, we just went with it, and it was pretty freaking good, and you know what? What came from it was something amazing, so you're going to want to listen in, but first, if you haven't hit subscribe yet, please go ahead and do that, and if you find value in today's episode or any of the episodes that we share, go ahead and leave us a five-star review. That's going to help me reach my goal of rippling out to at least a million people. You never know who needs to hear this podcast, and when you do that, it gets in front of more eyes, more ears, and all, all the things, so let's just get to it with Zara Berry. All right, I'm here again with Zara Berry, and we're coming off a hot Pride weekend here in St. Pete. What have you? Did you go to LA Pride? I did. I went to. So talk about drama. Uh, we had mentioned talking about lesbian drama, but even just LA Pride was dramatic because there was WeHo Pride, West Hollywood Pride, the first weekend of June. And then there was LA Pride the second weekend of June. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought they were the same. And I thought LA Pride was in West Hollywood. Come to find out the gays in all of their tempestuous ways um, had a fight because West Hollywood Pride was always in West Hollywood. And then they wanted to make it downtown LA so they could accommodate more people. But then West Hollywood got pissed because that's the neighborhood. So now there was two separate Prides on two different weekends and while I get the sentiment, I'm exhausted. Two Pride weekends in a row in the same city. So, yeah. yes. <laughs> That's too much. Like, uh, we're, I'm coming off Pride right now. You just asked me how I was. I'm drained. I'm so freaking drained. And so we honestly were showing up here today to talk about something different. We were going to talk about your coming out story. And we can do that at a later date. But I think what was on my heart, and we just started riffing. I'm like, we just need to press record. Because it's a thing like gay drama lesbian drama that's a thing right (laughs) it is such a thing I mean where there are lesbians where there are queer women and and queer guys we're whoever queers where there are queers there is drama you know I I don't know if it's that we're we didn't get to play out a lot of the the drama in adolescence because a lot of us were closeted. So we were performing to have like relationship drama and all this. So now we're like, we're kind of delayed. Like there's that whole velvet rage thing theory, but yeah. And and then pride is a pressure cooker because you put a bunch of queers together. You're going to run into exes. Your tensions are high. People are nervous. They're drinking their sexual energy. There's like, Oh, I'm so proud, but also I'm so sad because it's going to trigger like, 
coming out and also like what we're up against in the world. So it's just, it's like, it's a hotbed for drama. Mm. So I want to hear, I want to hear a little bit, like, did you, were you feeling the, the, the gay drama? Oh my. First of all, when you just said that I, I, something resonated with me, like I had chills on my, I got a little chill that came over me just when you said what we're up against. And like, I didn't even put into like gay lesbian drama itself, alcohol, lots of women in one place, small community, but like, everyone kind of being physical with each other at one point mm-hmm. friends like it's it's a lot and then I didn't even really even put the other piece of it together of like people already have kind of like an anxiety and just a stress about attending pride I know that I did I didn't go to the parade I just hung out at the bars in the vicinity around all the gays because in St. Pete it's easy like we're everywhere you didn't have to be at the parade to enjoy pride but like for so I was at the Boston Marathon bombing that's a big part of my um experience and parades are not my they're not fun for me like and people think they're just not fun you know it's always this thought of where are we going to go if something happens where are we going to run how are we going to connect like and literally I, I found myself at one point in the midst of lots of drama this weekend looking around the bar and thinking if somebody were to come in here right now with a machine gun and shoot all of us none of this would fucking matter and the fact that I even have that thought is so tied into like exactly what you said what we're up against you know sorry that was really deep to no no I actually think you're like first of all I had no idea you were there for that and in Boston that is I can only imagine how traumatic and like what your nervous system probably experiences when you're Mm. in crowded spaces Mm. and it's very I, I I don't think when I sort of said it flippantly but after hearing you say that I don't think we take to account that that's in the back of all of our minds. You know, when every time I go to the Stonewall Inn in New York, I think about that. I'm like, where's the exit? So who is that person? Or like you, you know, just to go to a regular gay bar, you often have to go through like metal detectors and we're a target, especially right now. It's Pride Month. We've had pulse. We've had traumas. There's a violence problem in America. Like it pride feels like there is that anxiety, but I think we don't want to talk about it because it's a celebration. We don't want to let the other side win, but we feel it. So that adds to everything feeling like, because we're not talking about it, it manifests in ways like pettier drama and we're not kind of in our right minds. And then you add alcohol to the mix, sexual tension, exes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Childhood memories of like, my parents don't approve, like everything. It's just like, wow, how can we not all be just like triggered hot messes at Pride? Yeah. I mean, and Pride is one thing. Like this wasn't even about Pride. This is about the gay drama in general. Yeah. Right. 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 It exists, right? Like it freaking exists. It's a thing. I, I will send you an article I wrote if you want to put it in the show notes. And it's something like, I wrote it so many years ago, so I can't remember what my points were, but one of them, I think it was called, the title was how to avoid the lesbian drama that will ruin your youth (laughs) because it's, we have so much drama. What do you think is at the heart of it? I have been wondering that for a really long time. And honestly, I've been in and out of drama. I've been in drama when I first came out. And then when I was out, I was sober and I wasn't going out. That's the only time I've been out of the drama. So like, oh, it, that's interesting. That's it, a very big point. Without the alcohol, there was no drama. I mean, and there was drama, like obviously in relationships, you can have your ups and downs, but like, I mean, the drama like this, like this is a couple of things happened this weekend where I was like looking around. I was like, wait, where are the cameras? 
Are we on yeah. a reality show right now? <laughs> like what is happening? You know, it was a lot. I don't know. Right. I, I think alcohol definitely plays a part. I think that when you are in the life of like partying and going and, and really raging, like I have been for the last three weekends, um, you do that. If you're in a space where you're like in a relationship and you're in a good space and you're really focused on your work and stuff like that, I don't know that you are putting yourself in that mix over and over and over again. I don't know. I got to say, I feel like I am in a space right now where I'm really focused on my work. I moved to Los Angeles from New York, yet, yet, somehow there are, I just found out about a big altercation that somehow I am at the center of (laughs) in New York that involved two of my exes getting in a fight and having to get pulled apart. And I'm not even there. And I feel like for the first, like in 10 years, I'm in the most like out of the scene space and still it's like, it penetrates. And I'm like, I don't even want to be hearing about this, but here we are. Like it's unavoidable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I can show, well, here's why I can show up, you know, being a coach, we talked about this, like when you're a coach, Mm -hmm. but we hold ourselves to a different level. Right. And obviously alcohol can kind of make that sway a little bit, like a little bit up or down, depending on the time. But when it's energy is a lot, it's energy is infectious, like infectious. And maybe it's the energy of other people that we're feeling. I don't know. All I know is I've been in a lot of weird situations the past few weekends where I'm like, what am I doing here? Do I need to go and again and not come out? And that sucks. I like the scene. I like people until it gets to this weird space. What do you think? What do you think is at the center of it? I mean, I, I, I think, I think part of it is that we are, I think we are small in this moment. This is what I think upon reflection, I might shift. But in this moment, what comes to mind is it is a small community. You know, it's so it's like small internationally. Like you could travel to like Australia and somehow you're going to run into somebody that has like slept with your ex. You know, it's like I've gone everywhere and somehow it always comes back. So I think because we're it's small, we live a little bit in a scarcity complex where we don't think there's enough lesbians to go around, you know? So we go into that sort of lack and attack reptilian brain mindset where we're like, oh, wait, I like this person. Um, And then somebody else is like, no, 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 I like them. And I have a history. We are always going to find someone who has a history with them. And it's like, we're all of a sudden like, no, but there isn't enough to go around. So we want to claim, we get possessive. We even get that way with friends. Uh, We're so worried about a new person coming in, disrupting the ecosystem that we get, like we start, we attack and we project like drama before it's even started, you know? And like, do you know what I mean? It's like, a new, you know, you're just talking to somebody, trying to get to know them. And then suddenly somebody in your circle or orbit is like, wait, no, no, no. I, I dated her. And it's like, but you're not dating her now, but I dated her in the past and I've got to claim her because there isn't many of us around. And like, this is mine kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, what's funny is in St. Pete, all of a sudden there are a lot of us around that I've never seen so many hot women in one space. And I think that 
like, so you said somebody comes in even in the friend group and disrupts the ecosystem. Let's talk about the ecosystem for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say that. I was working with a client the other day who, um, you know, doesn't have a lot of gay friends. She's dating someone and she's like, you know, I don't want to have this false interpretation in my head of what, you know, the lesbian scene is like, I think it's toxic. I think people are vultures. I think, and then I'm like, hold up a minute. Nobody said that wasn't true. It is true. Right. But we get to decide what we do with our environment. We get to decide who, who we are around, but then this ecosystem where something new can come in and it does, it disrupts everything. Why is that? I think, God, it's really, I mean, it's, it's really hard. I, I think it's, I think, I think it's, I think we're the problem. I think the problem is, is that we don't, we don't look inward. You know, I think that, like you said, we get to decide we're like the bouncers of the nightclub that is our lives and our minds. Mm -hmm. And we can decide, like, I don't want to let toxicness in. I don't want to let this affect me. It's not allowed in, but we don't, we don't, we we're this community and and it's, and we it's easier to blame a new person it's easier to blame um other people than it is to like look in the mirror and say like what what is my part in this what is my role in this you know do you find that like self reflection for everybody and then you're dealing with a really small community with higher levels of trauma for sure mm-hmm. i mean we do I interviewed this amazing psychologist. Um, She's a lesbian. She has a great book called Lesbian Love Addiction. And she goes into like why we're so, um, why we're so, why, why we're so vulnerable to love addiction as opposed to other demographics. But she also, when I interviewed her, we were talking about how people who have experienced so much trauma experience higher levels of narcissism. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a kind of narcissism that you you could work through with a, a lot of therapy. It's not like narcissistic personality disorder. It's not that. But, you know, if you grow up isolated and alone and in hiding, you're going to become you're going to only rely on yourself. You're going to become kind of a lone wolf and everything is going to become about what's going on in your head, not because of your fault. It's like a trauma response. So I think then we go out into the world and then that isn't the case anymore. We've got this community, we've got friends, but we can't break ourselves out of the narcissism. And that makes it, that makes us more reactive. That makes it harder for us to self-reflect objectively. And quite frankly, can make us a little bit more immature unless we do the work, you know? And I think it's, is it annoying that we might have to do more work than our heterosexual cohorts do because we've experienced this very unfair trauma. Of course it is. But if we want to actually break the cycle and make a better world, we have to go inwards. We have to look at it and we have to change. You know, we can sit and stay stuck in this, or we can say, you know what, enough, I'm sick of living this way because it gets to you and it stunts you. Mm -hmm. So is the option to just not hang out with the gays? No. That's never the option. No, what's the option? Because here's the thing. I am torn between this place of really enjoying the scene, being 41 years old. I feel like I have nine lives. I don't know if I told you this last time. I feel yeah, like I love it. Like I get to re-experience a lot of things. Like in my 20s, I was too mature to fucking enjoy the scene. In my 30s, I put my head down and worked and I didn't go out and I was sober. And now in my 40s, I'm like, I have another chance. I look young enough that I can still be around this and fuck, what the hell? Because should I just 
just like lock myself in my house and never go out again? Or (laughs) how do I have both? I think you can have both. I totally think you can have both. I think that it comes down to just a boundaries, like not getting, deciding what you will and will not engage with. So it's like, if there is some petty 20 something immature, you're talking to my girlfriend drama. And you know that that's not the case. It's like not even allowing yourself to get caught up in it. Sorry, you feel that way. That's not the case. I'm going to go direct my energy into this person or talk to this person because I'm not dealing with this. And then so it's setting those boundaries, sticking to them and also having the balance of like finding for me what I've really had to do. And I'm trying to do that in L.A. as I restart my life in a new city is like finding some people around my age has been really and older Mm -hmm. has been really helpful. And sometimes they're not out as much, but just like having grounded gay friends that are like married or like, you know, just not caught up in it and remembering like, oh, it's not just the scene, you know, but you know, then there's beautiful parts of the scene. It's like having fun and then knowing when to go the fuck home and be a grown up, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I think that's the problem. You can get caught up in the fun for sure. And you know, it it is our choice. Okay. Somebody comes up to you. That's fine. And we're able to walk away. But one thing that I noticed is not only do we have our own drama, in the scene, but everybody wants to be involved in our drama as well. And we have so many different perceptions and projections of situations. And so actually, so the question was, why does this happen? This is why I think this happens. Everyone is projecting their own shit onto onto everything. So I have a, let's say I have a situation that goes down. I know how I'm feeling inside and everyone's view or opinion of how I'm feeling or the way that they view how I reacted now they have their opinions and now they're going to spread that poison into the the mix, which makes it so much worse because you're like, well, what the is even happening? That's not how I feel. That's not what I said. But this person said this and that person said that. And everyone's taking these pieces in. I think that's what the problem is. Like, let's focus. Is on that our- right? Right, right. And it's uh, I was listening to Byron Katie talk about how who I love. She was talking about how there's there's your business everybody else's business and God's business or nature, higher power, whatever, like things you can't control, like earthquakes, natural disaster. Like that's, that's something that's nature's business. There's everybody else's business and, and your business. The only thing we actually have fucking control over is our business. And what a different world it would be if we all just focused on our own business rather mm-hmm. than everybody else's. Cause normally the messiest business that needs the most attention is our own anyway, you know? So it's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, and I have found, and she also said, uh, I was listening to an Oprah in, interview with her, an old one. She also said, defense is the first act of war. Mm. And I had to sit with that for a minute. And I was like, yeah, like, if you think about what war is, it's defending your point of view. And I'm really defensive. Like that is my biggest problem. And that's where I really get in the drama is I I can't stand injustice. If somebody is like saying something about my friend that I know isn't true, I got to defend their honor. I got to defend my own honor. I'm in a drama right now with some 
lesbian in New York, it's like kind of one-sided because it's like more her on me. But I found myself getting so upset about this one thing she was saying about my creative integrity, which is everything to me. And I've been defending myself in my own head to close friends. And then I was like, wait a minute. Like, this is how war starts. It got back to her that I'm upset. She's like picked up the sword. And it's like, I should just like drop the sword. And like, I know who I am. I know my integrity. I don't really, that's actually her business. Not even my business. I don't need to defend myself. And I do believe the truth always reveals itself anyway. So it's like, what are we defending? You know, it's, does that make sense? Yes. Have you ever heard of the drama triangle? Yes, the Cartman drama triangle, or whatever. With the person, yeah. the victim, what, and the hero, right? Yes, yes. I'm it while we're talking, wait. So, and there's a new one. There's like a one that you can come up with for healthier. I have it in my notes, actually, because I was just learning about this. But, but go on with the. So it's the, a, so it's a model of dysfunctional social interactions and illustrates a power game that involves three roles: the victim, the rescuer, and the persecutor. And so, in my mind, anything that happens, like, and I've been that person that's um, the victim trying to get people to be my rescuer, or you know, and vice versa. Right. Been a rescuer a lot too, persecutor not so much, but like. It's a lot like that. I think that's what happened. Like we find our, maybe some people find their worth in saving other people or they are addicted to being the victim because that's all they know. And that's where they've been. And so what it comes down to is we're all, we all need to heal. (laughs) Maybe we We do. We do. And I actually learned this really interesting thing about taking the the drama triangle where the victim is, you know, feels attack, helpless, needy, self-pitying rescuer rushes to comfort, persecutor, you know, you idiot, the cruel attacker. And that just keeps you in the triangle. But the way to flip the pattern upside down is to instead, because we're going to find ourselves in these roles, the persecutor becomes the challenger, the rescuer becomes the coach, and the victim becomes the creator. And when you see someone and we're looking at someone as the persecutor, Instead, we look at them as as the challenger, like let's hear their feedback or let's find out a way to like overcome them. And one of the examples used is Nelson Mandela, like who spent all these uh, years, he's, you know, in South Africa with prime minister, but like before that was imprisoned for so long. And while he was, you know, wrongly, and while he was in there, he didn't look at himself as the victim and he didn't look at the other side as the persecutor, but the challenger. So he instead um, studied law. He learned Afrikaans, the, the language of his oppressor, you know, and because of that, he was able to then come out and become prime minister. And like, you know, a persecutor will say, uh, you know, you are bad. But if you, if you look at a persecutor, say you're bad. If you look at them as a challenger, you say like, this is, this isn't working for me. What am I going to do about it? And instead of being the rescuer, the coach is going to say, that's a shitty situation. What are you going to do about it? And then you can break this like dysfunction. So it's really interesting. And then the the creator, if you're the victim, if instead I I'm like, oh, I'm not a victim. I'm a creator. I get imaginative of like how I'm going to get out of this. And Mm -hmm. I think it's like much more empowering. Oh, a hundred percent. Do you find yourself in the original dra- uh, drama triangle, like leaning towards one of these roles? Definitely or- the rescuer. 
Same. <laughs> Although, yeah, I why do you think that, that is? But I could be the victim too. That's I, what I was, I I was just going to say. I play the victim. I'm never really the persecutor. I've always, because I always take a look at myself first, but like, I've definitely played the victim as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so obviously, tell me, coaches, we're oh, both sorry, coaches. You know, we're both coaches. Right. So why we are more of a rescuer role. Like, as we were just talking about this and I pulled it up, I just thought of something like where I was trying to be a rescuer today. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, all of these are a piece of it. It's not just like one of them, you know, they're all right there. You can't have one like without the other. And it's so, it's so interesting. I do think coaches tend to be the rescuer. That's why we get into the business of wanting anyone in the self-development phase uh, space is usually naturally like you want, you get into it because you want to help people, but we don't realize that rescuing them is not helping them. It's enabling them and keeping them stuck but it just feels like, oh, I, I don't want you to feel this. So I'm going to take all the pain away from you. I'm going to, you know, do your insurance for you, do your this. Right. And then it doesn't help them. And like, I have done the victim thing as well. So much, like, I, I really noticed it recently because I had, you know, divorce. I had a huge friend betrayal in New York. And for the past year, I feel like I've really been stuck in, I'm really realizing this as we're talking about it. I've really been the victim. I've been like, these people fucked me over. They took what they could get, then ditched me in my darkest hour. Poor me. Everybody wants something. If I don't have things to give them, they don't love me, blah, 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 blah. And really that didn't, that hasn't gotten me anywhere. It was until I started to look at myself, self, I got tired of that story and I just started to rebuild. But like, I could have saved myself a lot of time because you don't actually feel good when you're the victim, you think for a moment, like, Oh, so it's me. But like, what are you going to do with that? You're just going to stay stuck in it, you know, and staying stuck sucks. I hate being stuck. I mean, even just, I'm learning a lot just because I am looking at it on the screen. Cause I pulled it up. Even our conversation before we hit record, I'm like, wow. So I shared that with you. Does that make me the victim trying to like pull you in on, although still it was a fucked up situation, but <laughs> right right Not right like that. so what do we do like never talk about what's going on with us no I think we do talk about what's going on with us for sure because I think part of being a creator rather than a victim is no I think you were not being the victim sharing like hardships you you've had in lesbian drama world I think you were actually being the creator because you're like what do I do you're not saying rescue me you're not saying tell me how how shitty this is you're saying like what do I do and like, that's great. That's collaboration, you know? So, yeah, this is but also the interesting thing is in your dynamics, maybe you can look at where you're being the rescuer. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> so I get it when you're hanging out with younger people in the, in the scene and all that, like I easily slip into the rescuer, you know? Yeah. I mean, if anything else, like even just recognizing that we might be older than the rest of the group and we're already feeling like, okay, should I be here around these younger people who are having, you already want to just like be the rescuer, but like, because the alternative is, am I being immature? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, 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 right. But, I don't know. But you know, like I think about it a lot because I, the New York lesbian scene is super, super diverse in age. It's one of the things I love the most is that while I was there, I never felt like 
I definitely hung out with younger people, but mixed into that group were like women in their like late fifties and sixties. And it's kind of one family, you mm-hmm. know? And I, I, I have written about like, you know, the wise dyke that mentors sort of the younger ones, you know, and it's, it's kind of the coach that's like, you know, rather than like, oh, poor you. I've had those, those wise women it, when I was younger and in my twenties in a mess be like, Zara, what do you mean you don't have health insurance? You got to get fucking health insurance rather mm-hmm. than doing it for me. Just explaining to me, what are you doing with that person? And it's like, those people really helped my growth. And it's kind of fun to be now in a space where we can do that back to them. As long as we don't get caught up in their fucking shitstorm of chaos. So that's the part, that part, don't get caught up in the shitstorm of chaos. Right, right, right. <laughs> Well, I mean, and a surefire way to get caught up in it is to have romantic feelings because as soon (laughs) as there's romantic feelings, you're like, you know, like there's no distance. Right. So basically just go back in the closet. (laughs) Go to conversion therapy. (laughs) Um, No, but so this, I feel like this is an important topic because this has been like, this has been actually a driver of my entire life. When I was in my early twenties, I recognize this space where, why is this so much trauma? Why is there so much trauma? Like all the way into my thirties. Right. And I'm like, there has to be a place in between. There has to be a space where people want to have fun and drink and go out and dance and also want to be a part of a personal growth and growth mindset. And literally I was like for years, Oh, that has to exist. And I didn't see it. Didn't see it. And that's actually where club lilies came about, except this is an older crowd. So does it exist for the younger people as well. And if not, how, how can we make that exist? I think we should do it. <laughs> how? We should, <laughs> we should, we should, we should start something. Cause as you said that, like I was thinking about it and how I could have used, I hear a lot of my younger readers and younger friends say how hungry they are for a space to talk about all this that isn't surround like the amount of people that say like I love going out I love partying they don't want to identify as sober they don't want to go to you know AA or whatever 12 step but they want a place where they can go and like process this and improve and I think when you're queer you know those spaces exist that are that are like inclusive straight people have those those things and they say oh and all people are welcome but it's kind of uncomfortable our experience is unique and different so I think to have some sort of program for younger people as you know as well that's open to everyone where they can talk about this process this learn about you know growth mindset develop some tools I think it would be really productive to be honest I could have totally used that. I used to look up like, where can I find lesbian group therapy? Like when I was younger, Mm -hmm. you know, so I can have a space where I can like, like they do in 12 step, like be real, talk about what's on my mind, not be judged, you know, but I, I'm not sober. So I don't, it wouldn't be nice of me to just use that program for the the free therapy. (laughs) Though I've thought about it, but like, you know, yeah. So I think that there, there is actually a gap. Hmm. Just, just throwing it out there. <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that looks like a podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> where right. We, where we take actual situations and dramas and the real scene that goes down because I don't know I'm in it. Like I feel it, I see it, and like dumb, not dumb it down, but tear it apart and let's analyze the whole thing. And how do we navigate this? Or people listening who might be going through something different. 
similar, but different. Um, how do you navigate what your emotions right now? Cause I've talked to three, four different people this morning. That's like, I'm just ready to jump off a bridge. Like literally, yeah. you know, I know the pros, I know the post pride hangover is not just physical. It's mm-hmm. emotional. Yeah. There's a lot that's gone on. And so obviously like I have my own shit this weekend and like, if I know so many people that are experiencing the same thing, how do we, you know, any, any, uh, downloads coming for you right now? Yeah, actually. Like I was just thinking about how I, I had a, a client a couple days ago, who's like 21 and all the things that she, that she was talking about with, with dating and relationships and heartbreak and like the nuance of it how actually specific it was to queerness. Like it is different. You know, my mom and I are roommates at the moment, which we've never lived together since I was in high school. And she's seeing, sorry, this dog, I'm dog sitting, um, is barking. But, uh, you know, we, she's seeing how different the experience is. And I try and explain, like we've been up against different things. So it makes our relationships the way we date the way we interact so different that you need your own community and space to fully understand you, you know, and understand what you're going through. Does that make sense? So I feel like it would be really good. Even like you said, on a podcast, even bringing people on as guests and in real time, talking through, coaching them through their shit on, on a podcast. (laughs) Right. I mean, why not? Or taking calls or or anonymous letters or things like that. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, there's so much, it's so relatable. Um, so I've got to grab this dog that is barking. Um, so cute too. Isn't it not the cutest fucking dog? Um, of course, like I'm here for, I've been in LA for like two months and I'm like babysitting a lesbian's dog. That <laughs> um, <laughs> we work. Because I, the thing is, I believe in our community. I really do. I know that we are so messy and I've had so many times where I'm like, I hate this. I can't do this anymore. This is draining me. But then I'll I'll try and go without it. And I'm like, I miss my people. I need my people. Nobody gets me like them. So rather than just get upset about it, maybe to like try and create tools so we can have a healthier experience. Cause I don't think we need this. I think that this only gets in the way and also kind of turns us against each other. And right now we need to be on each other's side. There's so much going on politically, you know? Yeah, like exactly. And and that's the thing. Like it's ironic that pride is about us coming together. It, it sure it was a riot, but because people came together and stood up for themselves and all I see or saw within pride, although I didn't go to the parade is people actually splitting apart, you know, and yeah. it's, we, that's such a sad outside, like, look at what's going on. We should, we need to be coming together and we're splitting apart. I think cause it's, it comes down to the fact that we don't have fucking tools you know, we're coming in almost like, like adolescence, like super emotional, super triggered coming, you know, a lot of people too, again, didn't get to have this experience in high school of playing out these, these dramas and we're not even aware of it. And we end up sabotaging like teenagers do. We end up sabotaging what's supposed to be the greatest nights of our lives. Like, you know, how many people had a good prom? Not many, you know, because we didn't have the tools to handle something like that. So gay uh, pride is kind of, or queer pride, it, it's it's our prom and we're, we're sabotaging it. And it's sad. And no one has hurt me personally more than our community, you know, um, to the point where I've had times where I'm like, I don't even want gay readers. I don't even want, like, I, I can't, this is, they're so mean, 
But then I'm reminded of like the power of community in moments. And it's like, we're in this dysfunctional family. What if the family got therapy, we wouldn't be dysfunctional. So like, let's, let's, let's like work on ourselves, you know? Yeah. And whoever's listening, I would love some feedback on if you would want something like that, what that would look like. Um, I don't know. I like the idea of like people sending in anonymous things. Maybe would you be willing to come back if we get some anon and maybe make it something hundred percent completely separate from the stories we tell, like we name it something yeah. to do with, you know, what it, we'll say dear Zara and Jamie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I would actually love to do it. I'm getting that like excited lit up feeling like yeah. that I think, I think that this is amazing because in, 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 in this podcast session, I feel like we had, we had, we addressed the problem. We figured out like a lot of the roots of it or started to unpack it. And now we're like, wait, maybe there's a solution. Oh, here we are, so the I rescuers think, again. <laughs> I know, of course, of course, of course. But we could be the coaches who give tools rather than just say like, oh, you poor darling, let me like feed you. Let me breastfeed you, <laughs> you know? Like, we punch this girl in the face for, for you. Yeah, no, that's not Exactly. <laughs> right, 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 right. All right. Well, that was good. We just came full circle. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I think we need to have a separate conversation. <laughs> uh-huh, for sure. And anybody that, you know, is experiencing drama, I know there's a lot of prides that happened this month. A lot of prides happened this past weekend. And I'm sure there are a lot of people that, if they are in the scene, experience some kind of fucking crazy ass shit because it just is. So what are your words of wisdom or advice for them? Words of wisdom and advice, because I have been through this so many goddamn times. I would say, really think about what actually matters and define, let's get clear about everybody. Because I used to leave prides and be like, everybody is so mean. Everybody is so aggressive. Everybody is so jealous. And then when you actually do inventory, I'd realize my everybody was two people, Mm. two people in the scene that were mean to me, bullying me, made me feel uncomfortable, manipulating me. And then I would make a list of like all the other people. And then I'd be like, wait, there's 15 people that have like been nothing but nice to me, empower me, support me. Why am I making my everybody? these two mean girls, you know? So think about that and think about what actually matters and rise above, fucking rise above. Don't defend yourself. The truth reveals itself. Ooh, I like it. I think we should end, <laughs> end on that note. Also, I'm Perfect. kind of feeling like I want to stop recording so we can figure out what the next move is. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I love that. This All has right. been great being a guest. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking with you. Yes, thank you so much for coming on. Of course. I hope y'all enjoyed that episode. I know that I did, and I think there are some pretty cool things to come. So stick around, check the show notes in the description to see how you can follow along with Zara and what she's doing, and um, just be on the lookout, okay? There are some things coming. I'll talk to y'all soon.